welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zempeloper in Dresden, Germany. In this episode, Jason Nadecki is back to talk about unstressed vowels, the consonant cluster STR, and triphthongs using Purcell's Strike the Vial. The Diction Police website offers phonetic transcripts of texts with word-for-word and poetic translations, text readings by native-speaking opera professionals, along with a variety of video tutorials that are useful for both professional singers and for teachers to supplement their diction classes. The Diction Police was founded on the principle of native speakers pronouncing and discussing the diction of their own languages, and we continuously strive to offer the highest quality lyric diction resource possible. Over the past nine years of the podcast, we've now comprehensively covered the four main singing languages, as well as many others. So from now on, we'll be releasing new episodes less regularly and only cover special topics such as rare languages and dialects. All of the previous episodes of the podcast will still be available on iTunes and at the website, and all of our other resources and materials will be available on the website through individual and studio subscriptions and now, also, through university library subscriptions. Talk to your teacher about getting a subscription for your school, or inquire for more information at info at dictionpolice.com. For more information about Jason Nadecki, to check out our other resources, or to subscribe to the Diction Police, please visit dictionpolice.com. You can also follow the Diction Police on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at dictionpolice or sign up for our newsletter to keep up with our latest offerings. Strike the Vial is the fifth movement from the piece Come Ye Sons of Art, or Ode for Queen Mary's Birthday, and the only portion of it that was published originally. This work was the last of several odes that Purcell composed for Queen Mary II's birthday celebrations. Strike the viol, touch the lute, wake the harp, inspire the flute. Sing your patroness's praise, sing in cheerful and harmonious lays. The first thing I want to talk about is, is the word at the end of the first line, L-U-T-E. Lute. There is this well-known diction rule that after certain consonants and before oo, we make a little j-glide. Right. And uh, many people refer to this little rule as the Daniel Sittith rule. Exactly. Because the consonants D, N, L, S, T, and TH in the, the little phrase Daniel Sittith cause this effect. And it should be pointed out that they're not the only ones that cause it. The, the little mnemonic is devised because these are the ones where they're sometimes dropped in modern speech. So Daniel Siddith helps us remember the ones that traditionally are kept where nowadays we drop them. Having said that, it is a bit like the WH, where because many people, most people, do not do many of them nowadays, you have to be careful that you don't overdo it. Right. In some kind of attempt to prove that you know the rule. <laughs> because lute, with tons and tons of lingered y 
is kind of um, precious. Right. Well, it makes it makes the word unintelligible then. Yeah, it's just overdone and misses the point. Really, the most insignificant part of it, the shortest bit, is that tiny little J-glide stuck in. So it should not suddenly become the prime feature of the word. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I would say that the lute is enough y. The lute. Yeah. Any more, and it, like I said, it just gets, it's affected. Mm-hmm. It doesn't rhyme then with the j with that J-glide with the word flute, right? We wouldn't say flute. It rhymes with the oot, but not with the way the first consonant is articulated, exactly. Most foreigners think that English sounds more like er, 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 er. Yeah. But, but when we see the word, and I'm going to say this in my American standard accent, harp. Yes. Although, although I would say harp, technically we don't actually sing any R in this word at all, right? No, there are only three phonemes. Ah. Uh, right. So the H consonant, the father vowel, and then the final P. Yeah. And that dark ah, that father vowel, that is what we sing as as English speakers. We don't really have the bright ah when it's just its own sound, right? That's only in diphthongs that we would sing a bright ah. That's right. The bright ah, the typescript ah that exists in German and French and Italian, does not exist as a monophthong in English. It's only found as the first part of the diphthongs I and ow. And by extension, that fun little thing that we have in English, the triphthong, as in inspire. Well, and we also have it in vile. Vile, yes. Those are triphthongs because we have ah, the bright ah, followed by i, and then a schwa. And if you look at vile, the way it's spelled versus the way it's transcribed, there's a huge difference there. I-O suddenly becomes bright A, open E, and schwa. Exactly. So I imagine that may be tricky for, for a non-native speaker. Absolutely. Well, and, and in this case, the, the letter I is actually the diphthong, that A-I diphthong, and the O is taken up by the schwa. Yes. If we want to sort of go letter for letter. Whereas in yes. inspire... There again, we, we have the three letters, those three bright ah, open I, schwa, but the schwa in that case actually uh, actually takes the place of the R. So again, it's not right. saying er. That's right. So in British English, there is never the R-colored schwa, the rhotic schwa, er sound. They just don't have that sound. R as a consonant is only pronounced before a vowel sound. When it's not before a vowel sound, it's either eliminated completely or it reduces to schwa, and it's very systematic what happens. In this case, it's reduced to schwa, so we get inspire. Yeah. In the case of the word before it, which we were talking about, hop, it just is eliminated altogether. And it, it's very logical which ones are eliminated altogether. You can't really go about having a, a dark ah vowel follow, followed by a schwa. How would you do that? Ah, I mean, it's, it's very <laughs> tricky to, to make those two sounds back to back. Exactly. So it's just a straight ahead long ah, ha. We also see that in harmonious. Same thing. 
harmonious. Yes, monious. Mm -hmm. Harmonious. And again, with the schwa at the end, like everything else, the one that I find most interesting is actually cheerful. Yes. Before an R, when we have diphthongs that are created in the British English out of the reduction or the reducing of R to schwa, they always begin in an open vowel. Okay. So we have ear, as in cheer. We have ur, as in sure, with the open flying u as the nucleus, the main part of the diphthong. Yeah. We have or, as in your, in the third line of this song. Yeah, with that open o schwa. And the last one is air, of a word like there. So they all begin, all four of those begin in an open vowel. Not air, or, ear, or. Well, and that's the thing with a word like cheerful. If I say it, I'm going to close that vowel more than I yes. should. In North American pronunciation, we would have, probably most people would transcribe a closed E and then a rhotic schwa. So you have cheer. Right. It should open a bit in the main part in the British English if you're deciding to make this very good shift into the British pronunciation. Uh-huh. It should open to i, and then the r reduces to schwa. So you get from cheer, you get cheer. Which will also then sing more easily because the vowels lead into each other better than ear. Yeah. There's more space in the vowel. Exactly. A bit more space. Mm-hmm. Back to harmonious for a second. That final syllable that is transcribed as a schwa, it's neutral. It is in danger of being realized as a, the up vowel, by many, many, many singers. Which is the upside down V. Phonetic. Right. Harmonious. Very simple. It draws attention to a weak syllable. Yeah. Generous. <clears throat> Anytime you do that, making those schwas into a, for the sake of singing, it, it emphasizes the wrong syllable. Yeah. There should be a way to sing on the schwa that is more neutral than ah. Right. And we have it also in words like the and uh, just a, a straight ahead a for the in, indefinite article. Right. Strike the vial, not strike the vial. Strike the vial. You hear people singing the all the time, especially in choirs, I've noticed. Uh -huh. There's no reason to make that a, what they may call a tall vowel in defense of that sound. It's weak, and it can be sung in a weak way with the beautiful neutral schwa that happens all the time in English. Why not sing strike the vial? Because that lets you emphasize strike and vial. Yeah. Not strike the vile. Right, because they're, the words aren't as important as each other. Right. There is a kind of hierarchy within the phrase, and Purcell's very good at setting English text, of course. We know that. He's, mm -hmm. And he wouldn't emphasize a weak word like the. Right. And actually, since you said this phrase, strike, with a rolled R, let's talk about that, because basically... The rule is that after a T or a D, we don't want to roll the R as we have in patronesses. We don't want to say patronesses. 
Yeah, exactly, because it's very hard with the articulation to go from t to r, and it causes a bit of a shadow, kind of a schwa in between ter, ter, which sounds foreign, does not sound English. So in patronesses, we get a ter with a light bird r or modern r would be great. However, if the trdr is preceded by another consonant, so you get a real cluster, strike the vial. Yes, I think that's good to roll that r. It's a little bit different from the trdr because the tongue is already set for the s, the first initial unvoiced s, and it kind of passes through the r quickly. Fine to have a good rolled strike the vial. Also, it sets up the character of the thing where we're talking about all right, set to your instruments, make some noise for this occasion. And if we have a good strike the vial, it really sounds like we're beginning something. Well, and more, even more than that, if you're talking about a stringed instrument and you want to get all of the strings going, it feels like you're actually <laughs> almost that you're doing a pizzicato on all the strings. You're a strike. Right. It, it just gives yeah, you like a sense the of the instrument. Really, yes, like the plucking is really happening. Exactly. One last thing, actually, going back to cheerful, which we talked about That's earlier, right. the last syllable of that, the full, is the open capital cookie o sound, and not yes. not the schwa, right? Technically, yes. The f-u-l suffix is most often realized, especially when it's drawn out, as flying you open o cheerful. If that relaxed a bit heading toward a schwa a little bit, that would be okay too. Mm -hmm. It probably would be worse to overdo the lip rounding and make it cheerful because okay. that sounds unnatural. Again, it's unstressed. So you have to be tasteful and find a happy medium in these unstressed things. We were talking before about um, the weak i of prefixes like we have in this piece, inspire not inspire, in, inspire, anything else, inspire. And that one's easier, admittedly, because it, we, we, we think of the word in, right. I, which is already open ear. Right. Since you said inspire, we also have the, the unstressed I of inspire. We also have patronesses. There, the last syllable is also the unstressed I. Right. So with plural in English, where we get an extra syllable, or with the possessive in English, where we get an extra syllable, which is the case in this word. The North American way is to make either a schwa or a closed E. Right. So, ladies and patronesses. The first one has E, the second one has us. Right. In British English, it kind of splits the difference and tends to keep this quasi-open ear. Ladies, patronesses. So it's some form of, of open ear mm -hmm. is more the British sound for these endings. Yeah. But uh, all of these unstressed things need to be finessed a bit. They need to, you have to exercise a bit of good taste so that something doesn't get accented incorrectly. I think with time you kind of, and the more singing you do in English, the easier it gets to find a spot for these various 
weak schwa e open e and in this case cheerful the open u where they sit that they're still true to the vowel but they don't draw attention in an unnatural way to the syllable the last word of this text is lay which is not a word that comes up often in modern times in this form the term lay, also sometimes spelled L-A-I, refers to narrative lyric poems from the 12th to the 14th centuries, usually tales of chivalry, adventure, and love. They were originally mostly composed in France and Germany, but there is also the Breton lay, the British form, which Chaucer used in the Franklin's tale in the Canterbury Tales. I love the point that Jason made about not stressing unstressed syllables too much. Sometimes in our efforts to make everything perfect, we end up making things more confusing by singing unstressed syllables too strongly. In the case of the schwa, as he said, we end up almost singing an upside-down V, the up vowel, rather than a real unstressed schwa. When it comes to an unstressed open I, however, be very careful. The tendency is to sing this vowel too far back in the mouth. In normal speech, many Americans let this open capital I and the open epsilon E fall too far back, to the point where I've even had people ask me why the open I and the open S don't line up with the same vowels in German. So rather than thinking of the German vowels as being more forward, I would recommend finding that more forward placement when singing in English so that patronesses has two nice, bright, front-placed open vowels at the end of it, one stressed and one unstressed. Patronesses. Strike the vial, touch the lute, wake the harp, Inspire the flute. Sing your patroness's praise. Sing in cheerful and harmonious lays. This interview with Jason Nadecki was conducted by Ellen Rissinger. Phonetic transcript by Ellen Rissinger and Jason Nadecki. This has been the Diction Police Special Diction Unit, a production of Singing Diction GBR.